0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the 343 Podcast. I'm Gary Kleiben. The following contains a 10-minute side chat between my co-host Terry and myself, discussing at what age player development starts diverging between the U.S. and the standard bearers across the world. This has been the subject of much debate here in the States for a very long time. But luckily, we have direct experience to share on this matter. Because yes, you guessed it. The conventional wisdom here in the States is not correct. But before we jump into our personal international experience, allow me to provide some data points to consider. Just some things to better contextualize the matter. If you look at youth World Cup success by nations at U17 or U20, or even good youth international tournaments, the results there don't translate well to senior team performance later on. Without getting too far into the weeds on all of the nations. I'll highlight just a few things for your memory stores. One, consider Nigeria. Well, actually many of the African nations do very well and are consistent title contenders at the youth levels, but with five titles to their name, Nigeria has won the U17 world cup more than any other nation. Where's their national team, their senior national team been? Where is their program with respect to the rest of the world, to the standard bears? Two. Mexico, yes, our neighbors south of the border, had a so-called golden generation that won the U-17 World Cup in 2011 and was again in the final, the next World Cup in 2013. The senior team, however, what has it done? Nothing. Three, now to the United States. What has the United States done at the youth level? It hasn't won anything at the youth World Cups. Certainly not like Nigeria or Mexico or anybody else. Or even been a finalist, but they've won some international competitions. For example, they've won the Nike International Friendlies more than once, and in fact defeated Brazil, yes, Brazil, to take the title on two occasions. In 2011, after the victory, media outlets published article after article about how this meant the future was bright. Have you heard that before, guys? Quote-unquote, the future is bright. Here, I'll quote you word for word what one prominent outlet wrote. Quote, Rubio Rubin, Tyler Turner, and Wesley Wade scored first-half goals as the U.S. u 17s completed an unbeaten run at the Nike International Friendlies in Lakewood Ranch, Florida, with a 3-1 victory over Brazil on Sunday to capture the tournament championship. The United States Under-17 national team proved that there's much to be excited about when it comes to the future of the US program, end quote. This was 10 years ago, guys. Fast forward seven years, and the US couldn't even qualify to the World Cup from the easiest and most favorable confederation in the world, CONCACAF. Fast forward to today, and where are these players who should now be in their prime? Have you heard of Rubio Rubin, Tyler Turner, or Wesley Wade? Well, I have. I've been intimately close and working in the game for a long time, for many cycles. That was in 2011. I started publishing things publicly in 2009 through 343. I had to hear all kinds of nonsense about the future being bright. Everything is different now, Gary. Rubio Rubin is a generational talent. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. Nobody remembers. Nobody goes back into the history book and who said what and when or how. Nobody's held accountable for these lame takes back in the day. Football has no memory in that regard. Listen, I understand being enthusiastic, but someone's gotta be the adult in the room and be real once in a while. You know what the stories are now since our youth teams haven't done so well? It's completely inverted. For example, after the fiasco that was the U17 World Cup, where the U.S. got obliterated in group play, the story now is youth tournaments are totally meaningless. Just look at where those players are now, referencing Gio Reyna, Pepe, Busio, and a few others in that cohort. They cite this as evidence that youth soccer or youth tournaments aren't even worth looking into all that much, that you can't really extract or predict outcomes from that point forward. When someone's opinions swing from one point to its polar opposite, it's usually a signal of not having a solid grounding. This should not be confused with being open-minded and somebody being willing to change their mind. No, no, no. Because watch, as soon as one of our youth national teams does great in a meaningful competition, the opinions of these very same people will once again invert its polarity. Okay. Well. I just wanted to place youth results in some sort of context for you to consider while we talk about the main point of today's episode. Specifically, guys, it's at what age does a divergence in development start happening? And at what age do our international counterparts kind of start breaking away from our domestic talents here in the States? Some people said it's happening at 17, some at 19, some at 15, and some earlier than that. And this is kind of all up in the air. Now we have our own view shaped, not just from being intimate with this sport for a very long time, but critically from our direct international experience. Hope you enjoy. Hope you get some insight. Here we go. And now a quick few second mentions of what sponsors this episode. It's the best way to support this podcast, but more important, greatly improve your current soccer situation. First, if you're a coach, you must check out 343coaching.com. There are both free and premium programs for you there. Second, if you're a parent of a youth player looking for how to best put them on a proper path, your solution is at 343masterclass.com. And third, if you'd consider going to a private school for academics, either in the States or in Europe, that also has an integrated soccer program, you should check out acceleratorschool.com. Critically important, these solutions for coaches, for parents, for players are offered from people who have actually done the work and have an unprecedented track record in the United States. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode. We're just scratching the surface here, folks, but it's an important starting point for us to further expand down the line.
1: So before we start, and since you're recording, I have to tell you about a Conventional wisdom, and I use that term lightly, that I'm not seeing here, and I want your take on this. So, the conventional wisdom is that compared to our European or international counterparts, we're about even when we're young. And then by the time they're 15, 16, 17, there's a divergence. Well, I got to tell you, my academy over in Spain just went and played Celta Vigo, and we played their 2004s with some 2005s. And it was not close in ability. Our 18s played even younger. They played some 13 year olds. And I can tell you the divergence is already there at 13. Mm -hmm. This conventional wisdom that our, our young kids are just as good. Um, I'm missing it somehow, or maybe it's a sample of one, but Celta Vigo is a big club in the Northern part of Spain, La Liga team, and love to watch them by the way, they play football. I really like, and they have for, for years, but. Just some simple measures you can count on or just track. If you looked at the video as far as the quality, and we'll take the simple ones. The ball rolls on the ground when they pass the ball, there's no bouncing and it's two touch max and the ball's gone and they're spaced nicely. And then to get a little bit more advanced at at 13 years old, the timing of their runs from the outside are just perfect. And the balls pass through the defense, weighted properly and Next thing you know, the ball's on the back of the net. The positioning and the ability to not panic and move the ball from side to side. It's not that we're not decent players. We're decent, but there's a gap. And I talked to my buddy Mariano from Argentina, and he's our school guy in Spain. And he just says that the Americans kick the ball long, you run fast, you put the ball in the back of the net and you celebrate. That's how we put it. And he said, These kids from Salta Vigo are going to sign pro contracts. And they've been training under pressure to keep on the team since they were on the team at eight because there's 200 kids behind them. And, and he's telling me that in the practice sessions, the intensity is high because the coaches just won't tolerate you messing up for so long and then see ya. And the next guy's salivating to come in and prove that he should have been the choice. And, and I don't know where the divergence happens. Why are they so different, so young? They're playing tactically. Smartball and and we're just not so my observation for the week
0: gotcha you want me to comment
1: i do actually am i just seeing an exception or is can you yeah. repeat
0: for me in a phrase or two what you consider the conventional wisdom and maybe i can uh go off the of conventional that
1: conventional wisdom is that early on at young age groups the americans and the internationals are similar but by the time they're 16, 17, there's a divergence. And then by the time they're 21, it's very diverse in ability. And I'm seeing the divergence earlier in this example.
0: Yeah. So uh, a couple of comments. One is I do believe that the divergence happens much earlier than what conventional wisdom here in the States suggests. There's no question in my mind with respect to that at scale, at scale. And I think that's an important parameter to consider because my sample of one or two or five was through brian's teams and through brian's teams well i'll start there and then expand a little bit through brian's teams there was no divergence at that age um and and we witnessed it firsthand when we played against ajax when we played against uh, barcelona yeah, many times against barcelona and barcelona that team that we had a, almost like a rivalry with, if I'm being honest, okay, because they knew us very well after our third encounter, um, was considered their crown jewel class at La Masia growing up. They had Ansu Fati, who is now wearing the number 10 jersey for the first team at Barcelona and is valued at 100 million euros. They had Takefuso Kubo, He's a Real Madrid signed player, but loaned out to other first team, La Liga teams, and plays and does exceptionally well. It had Eric Garcia, who left Barca's academy and went to play for Pep Guardiola at Man City and was the starter center back. And now he's back uh, as a starter at Barcelona again. So it had this whole generation, which was almost like a second golden generation, maybe after the famed one with Cesc Fabregas, uh, uh, Iniesta, Xavi, Messi, Pique, etc., And so I'm just trying to emphasize that we weren't playing any scrubs or a B team or whatever, and the games are on field. And not only did we hold our own, we did exceptionally well with them. Um, so with respect to the separation happening at early ages, at least from our sample size with personal experience, I would say, no, it hasn't happened. It hadn't happened yet. Okay. It probably started happening a little bit later in the transition to be professionals because at Barcelona, for instance, all of these players that I just finished mentioning started getting significant, real pro experience, pro environment experience earlier than our boys had. our boys had to wait longer to start getting into a professional environment. And I'm being frank here, it, it, it was at the LA Galaxy and there are no other choices here. Um, so it is what it is. But then again, if you try to do a comparison between, okay, getting professional experience on um, Barca's B team or A team versus getting experience in LA Galaxy's B team or A team, those are worlds apart. And not only did they start earlier than we did, they're just worlds apart. And so the acceleration in that critical development phase of becoming professionals is different. And that's the the separation is grew. And I don't know if, if our guys will be able to recoup that at some point or not. Anyways, so, so just from a personal front. And then there's other data points, right? When we, when we went to Mexico, uh, playing quite well against the Mexican first division teams at those early ages, even a little bit later stage like you 16 but i do agree with you that at scale in Spain, for instance there's these players at 10 11 12 13 14 who are getting that proper environment already at those ages and we in the states are not and so the separation a hundred percent has happened um i don't know those are those are my initial thoughts
1: yeah i did for for some of the people that might hear this, that, um, you'll hear stories about playing those teams internationally. And, and I know, because I remember seeing you guys on video at the time, you were at tournaments that usually, uh, in order to get their A team, you've got to pay for their expenses to get there. And you guys were playing at that level. and And if you're not doing that as a general rule, you're getting the B or the C or the kids that are wealthy at those clubs that can afford the travel and, and pay for it. And, and, and the A-teams at home and the A-teams playing either in the, in the European champions, you know, youth league and and things like that. So just want to warn people that just because, you know, your team played in the Dallas cup against Real Madrid, that's probably not their A-team, despite what everyone wants to believe. Right.
0: Correct. And the other thing I should mention is that we're not necessarily unique in getting results against professional academies across the world at those ages, it's happened with other teams here in the States as well, where they draw somebody or even beat somebody and not to discredit what they've accomplished, but there is a caveat. And I think something to be aware of, and that is that at these early ages, the physical component is still quite influential in matches. And so while you might have a team you've never heard of, or even maybe an MLS academy or something, go overseas at age 12 or 13 and beat pro academies over there or draw them or do well. It doesn't mean that they're on the same level. You have to really look at the games and see whether, and and see what that looked like. Yeah. Did you actually have possession of the ball? Were you actually doing, Movements and possessions that resemble pro player development that resemble uh tactical intelligence that resemble technical quality because you can be dominated seventy percent thirty percent possession and the other team just doesn't score because well they're twelve year olds you know it's it's, it's a difficult thing to do, and then you have athletes just like they do right and then you launch a ball forward and then your center striker man child or whatever goes and scores a goal and and gets a result you know and and that happens and so if you're just looking at the box score you might be like well gary uh, these other teams have done x y or z as well have you watched the games did you actually play barcelona and beat them at their own game or compete with them at their own game did you actually have 50-50 procession or 60-40 or 55-45? Was it a real match or were you bunkered into your own half without it being planned? You were forced to bunker. You were just because they have the ball. And then you had a corner kick, a free kick, a counterattack, and you punched one in the net and it became 1-1 and you drew the game. Very different.
1: Agreed. All right. Thank you. I, I'm glad to hear that. and. I again, it's, it's great to watch. It was beautiful football. These kids were playing and why is it so, so nice at such a young age and. They have to develop
0: and... pros, Terry. Their incentive is to develop, develop pros. Our incentive is not that.
1: Agreed. Okay. All right. Thanks for that. No, for sure. Right. I'm
0: going to publish that.
1: <laughs> I liked it. Yeah.
0: Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening. A reminder for coaches, you can get both the free and premium coaching programs at 343coaching.com. Don't let anyone tell you your teams can't win by playing dominant possession-based football while also developing individual players to the highest levels, nonsense. We've proved it at every single level and so have hundreds of serious member coaches across the country. Now that we've moved on to the pro level, we're delivering everything we've learned in the program Don't wait and continue delaying getting on a proven path. And parents, 343masterclass.com is where you want to go to get a working compass for navigating the American soccer landscape with your player. It's pretty bad out there, but let our experience guide you. And if you're interested in a solution that blends both academics and soccer, my co-host Terry in this episode founded the Accelerator Schools. There's even the opportunity to do this in Europe as well. To learn more, visit acceleratorschool.com. Until next time, cheers, everyone, and keep building.